This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. Now in our sixth season, looking into the sometimes exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club. My name is Mikey Pensy-Smith and this is the flagship show. And today I'm joined by Joe Fares and David Diamond. How are you both? Yeah, yeah. pretty good, Mikey. Thank you. Yeah. No, Loving life. All things considered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the football is something that we can all look forward to at the end of each week, isn't it? Um, these are obviously difficult times to be Ipswich fans and we're going to do our best to make sense of things without being too doom and gloom but <laughs> it's going to be pretty tough I think this one and um, I think all three of us are hoping that the next podcast that comes out of Blue Monday will be an emergency podcast so <laughs> here's hoping yeah. um, so we'll start with the news and so often when I'm planning these podcasts um, when I do the news section I Go straight on to those with the days, twtd.co.uk, to have a look at the news from the week. Really good website and publication. Um, and last night it was confirmed that the man behind those with the days, Phil Ham, has been banned from attending Ipswich Town, Ipswich Town matches on the request of manager Paul Lambert. Now this apparently has been ongoing for a few weeks. Phil Ham was hoping that it would get sorted behind the scenes, but it obviously became very public on Saturday that this is what's happened. Joe, why why was this decision made and how worried should we be by this type of thing happening at our football club? It's pathetic, really, isn't it? It's, it's this mass paranoia that the management team have, that people are out to get them. Like people putting a team on a message, on an Ipswich Town fans message board is, like I say, what do they think? They've got opposition scouts looking at our message boards. They're going to take the take the word of some Tom Dick or Harry who's posted the team on there when people say oh yeah he's got a good reputation he's he's given us deaf info before and that the manager's going to make changes I say I I appreciate that managers don't want their teams leaking out I've, I've had teams in the past and I've passed them on to people and things but 
I, I knew this was going on because Phil had spoken to me a few weeks back saying, sort of, if I do hear anything, don't put it on the message board because the club are <laughs> sort of getting on top of it. I think yesterday somebody posted that Liam Gibbs was starting on there and the post was had, had to be taken down. I think the club had probably got in contact again and it's just the club should maybe focus on doing the right thing rather than worrying about a few little bits here and there, but sort of away from the sort of reasons for it. I think the actual decision is shocking, really. Like Phil is somebody who has well dedicated his life effectively. I know it's his job, but his life has effectively been dedicated to following Ipswich Town. He's somebody that's been really supportive of the podcast. He's been supportive of the academy, the, if people are doing charity events, and it is, like I say, I use the message board a lot there, but you sort of forget how many, like when you saw the messages last night, how many people rely on that for their news. I know there's yeah. the East Anglin and the Ipswich Star, but mm. ultimately TWTD is probably the most read fan site in the, well, from the club. And it's just, like I say, it's just so short-sighted and so, so pathetic and so, like I say, it's just so needless. And it just, it just shows a sort of, like I say, I had a big moan about Lambert last week with regards to how he was treating Brenner Woolley and the sort of how he the sort of way he was dealing with interviews there. And it's just it's just another sign that he is not like say, he's not the man that came into the club who was willing to try and pull the club together to try and get everybody on board. He's just so far removed from that person. And I say Evans and the Ipswich fans have been sold a dud on that account. Mm. And uh, Dave Rich Woodward uh, tweeted a question, obviously of our parish. He says, "Surely, with some, surely someone with common sense at the club should have intervened to prevent the TWTD banning escalate as it has done is doing. It's terrible PR. Are we poorly managed? Are we as poorly managed off the field as we are on it, Dave?" I think it sounds like sounds like we are. I think I read somewhere that <clears throat> who's the club? Is it is it Steve Pierce? Is it Steve yeah. Pierce who is the club? someone I'm sure I read on, on, on one of the forums somewhere that he hasn't been around the club or no one's sort of seen or heard anything from him for the last few weeks. And and <clears throat> just, just if I can, just getting back to Lambert, Lambert's very contradictory, isn't he? Because his interview after the um, after the whole game was a bit, was odd weird because it was all about the fans. He said, it doesn't, doesn't really matter what I do. You know, it's all about the fans. The fans are the most important thing. Well, you know, it's, you know and then what's transpired with Phil and TWTD, it's... Um, to me, it's it's all very contradictory, and he, he's he's losing, in my opinion. He's if he hasn't lost it already, he's certainly on the verge of losing it. Losing it. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's not it's not good. Not good at the moment. Mm. Uh, yeah. So the the ill feeling has been in the air for a, for a few weeks now, and on Wednesday night we heard from the Ipswich fan group Blue Action for the oh. first time on this matter. They hung a banner at the club's training ground, which read. Shambo, cheers for the beers, but it's time at the bar. And they also released a statement where they let it let it be known their opinions on the current manager. They've been big supporters of Lambert in the past, Dave, and now have publicly turned against him. Do you sense that things have really changed for Lambert yeah. and the fan base over yeah. the past couple of weeks? Yeah, in the last, yeah, probably. The, I think the Shrewsbury game was the, it, was the turning point. I know I think it was for, for, for Joe. Um, you know, terrible performance. And uh, well, Joe again last like this time last week came out and said again. I read what Joe said. He said, "Look, is this? It could be probably the worst result we could ever have. You know, because it's just papering over the cracks." Mm-hmm. And it was just inevitable. It was an, an era of well, I, I always use that word predictability, predictability, inevitability. 
that we just wouldn't, you know, we just wouldn't show up in these. Look, okay, there are there are factors, there are injury factors, but yeah, this is so 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 disappointing. And um, yeah, I think I think now the time has come. And then, you know, and then you get uh, another yeah, much sway, but you get McMills on Radio Suffolk saying, well, you know, when you think, you know, since he's been here, really, what has he, you know, what has he achieved? Really, very little. The club's gone backwards. You know, he had he joined what November in our relegation season, and we went down comfortably, really, with a whimper. He had yep. no effect on that at all. Okay, there were one or two games in there, but nothing much. Obviously, last season promised much. Had already fizzled out by the time lockdown came around, and this season's heading much the same way, isn't it? So I think, yeah, the time is the time has finally come. I think that there should be a should be a part of the ways. I mean. The issue is, of course, he's now got this for four years, four and a half years, whatever it is, left on his contract. What I would hope within these contracts, what I, I think you would you would find within these contracts, there are certain break clauses you would think, which would mean we, you know, we wouldn't have to, but perhaps pay him the full, the full, you know, remainder of his contract. However, you would think that would be obviously based on performance and league place, and so, you know, maybe we're not low enough yet for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worrying thing. That is you know, the, that's that's actually the biggest worry is that we're sixth, which seems like seems contradictory, doesn't it? That it's a problem that we're in the playoff places, but it it bloody is at the moment. But but I, I just can't see that there's sort of break clauses to do with your position in the league when there's sort of games in hand all over the place. Good Realistically, point. if we if we if we're waiting for a break clause, it's got to be too late. Otherwise, it's it wouldn't be in the contract if it was in a position where it could be used just if things looked like they were going badly rather than had gone badly. But it's quite I'd a good say. point. I mean, I looked earlier. I think Accrington have got like three games in hand on us, and like three points behind, two or three points behind. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, sixth is really um. Yeah, you're maybe, really maybe it says if if you go below Accrington Stanley in the table, <laughs> the manager goes. Yeah, maybe hang on who else. Maybe Accrington Fleetwood, perhaps. But yeah, Donny. Yeah, I don't know. I hope. So. Look, I hope. I hope that's right, Joe. I hope, I hope it is. You know, but Sunderland, as we said before, you know, Sunderland have acted already this evening. Um, yeah, are we missing the boat somewhere now? Well, you, you, I know Sunderland have got a potential takeover in the works with some sort of French guy, the Marseille owner's son, isn't it, I think? So yeah, no, and, no. unless he's picking the new manager and he's going to go something out there, realistically, they're going to be fishing from the same pool that we would be looking in, as in League One clubs. And what was it last time? Jack Ross, he was our potentially preferred candidate. I it was between him and Hurst at the end. And Sunderland stole the march on us there and got him and took away our choice. Whether we'd have gone with Hurst anyway, no one knows. But this time, is it going to happen again where Sunderland beat us to the punch and they get the platinum man we want? Well, I don't know. I think my son just said earlier that um, within the last sort of hour or so, I think Poyet's been installed as like six to four favourite or something. Well, we did have some inside information on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can... <laughs> My inside information is that Gus Poyet is in the country. <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've always got my finger on the pulse, haven't I? There you go. <laughs> Only I could know that he's. Oh, oh yeah, Mike. Well, he must be. He must be locked down in the country now, though. Yeah, he can, yeah. He can only leave for work. So that's true. That's something you spot on him in Waitrose car park in Cobham or somewhere, Mikey, was it? <laughs> no, it was. It was actually it's, it was at Stockley Park. Yeah, at work. I think he was doing some. Champions League stuff and can I, and just on the topic of Champions League um, for those of you not watching and and listening to this Joe Fares is tonight wearing a Borussia Dortmund oh, Champions yeah. League special Great. they are um, a massive they're a massive club yeah 
never never a coincidence <laughs> when Joe's around. Um, so on Friday, the club confirmed that 2,000 fans will be allowed into the stadium for our next home game, uh, which is uh, the Portsmouth game in a couple of weeks' time. So that means that ghost games at Portman Road are finally over. Season ticket holders will be put into a ballot. Joe, you've really missed the match day experience, haven't you? So how excited are you to be, at least be within a chance, at least being with the chance of seeing a live game before Christmas? To be fair, I'd miss Joe's match day experience, to be perfectly honest. But anyway, <laughs> on, Joe. <laughs> it's, like, I'm, I'm just struggling a bit with it in that most of my work I'm doing from home, sitting at this desk. Yeah. I'm currently in the midst of a dissertation for a university course I'm doing sitting at this desk whenever I watch football I can't get it to work on my tv so I'm sitting at this desk when I'm doing a podcast I'm sitting at this desk now <laughs> and it's just getting a bit every, everything I do I feel like I'm just cooped up in this room and at least I've got a view of sort of dog walkers coming past out the front along the along the heath but it is it would be nice to go and watch football somewhere else yeah yeah, yeah. and Dave are you harboring hopes of putting the Fred Perry on and being one of the 2000 yeah put, putting away a substantial meal and a few pints in the greyhound before oh god staggering yeah, down be, to the ground nice. you're right yeah it would be nice it would be nice so yeah. um, I think it's that it's the match day experience isn't it it's the going out to go to the football that we're that we're really missing at the moment not necessarily seeing the football with our own eyes but just, just weird seeing a seeing a sort of you know if, if you do go you know seeing a game without 2,000 fans no away fans it's still going to be slightly odd but at least you'll be there so yeah, yeah. and uh, we must just mention before we move into the Charlton game the sad passing of the legendary Diego Maradona who passed away during the week one of the most entertaining sports stars of all time Dave yeah, and another one of these, a bit like, yeah, there's been so many of them, you know, you look back, George Best, okay, not putting Gascoigne in that category, but Gascoigne, floor genius, absolute floor genius, I mean, and, and probably Maradona was the, the biggest floor genius of the lot, wasn't he? I mean, the, the, the best, I saw Pelé, um, I just about remember the 1970 World Cup, just about, um, obviously unbelievable, but Maradona's the best player I've, I've ever seen. Just what a look, won a World Cup on his own. Okay, admittedly, um, cheated against against England, but you know what he did following that, and you know carried his country to the World Cup. And then when he went Napoli and and Barcelona, not so much, but Napoli, best player I've ever seen. It just un, just unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. And that Dave, how, really that Maradona. Um, the Diego Maradona film when he was at Napoli is really good. Yeah, I watched it um, a couple of days ago. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, that was going to be my question for uh, for Joe. You're you're a big lover of all sports literature and TV, and there's some really excellent stuff out there on Diego Maradona, isn't there? Yeah, that the movie that Dave is talking about. I think it was directed by is it Asif Kapadia who did the Amy movie and the Senna movie, and it was on Channel Four last night. And I taped yeah. it again. I watched yeah. it earlier in the year. I think it's still on More Four, but yeah, I'd recommend that to anyone. It is brilliant, just a brilliant story, brilliant characters, and you just would you do not believe. The, <laughs> sort of what you see in that documentary and it <laughs> is just it's brilliantly done but mm, he I'll almost say. transcended the game he certainly did in Argentina and probably Naples I, yes, just definitely Naples. I, um, I had here? a chance to, I had a chance to go and didn't um, a couple of my mates went over and saw Naples play play Milan and Maradona was playing in Correca years later probably I don't know 10 15 years ago I was in Naples for a couple of days with work and um, just coincided with Maradona coming back to plan a testimonial. I can't remember who for. 
and the whole i mean naples is horrific traffic wise and the whole of naples just shut down just completely he is a god out or was a god out there absolutely incredible so you hear a few of the sort of big european pundits like andy brassel on football rambling and they said if you go to Naples, you'd assume that Maradona still played for them because <laughs> everywhere. There's, there's shrines to him everywhere. There's memorials. All the fans still have his name on their shirts, the scarves, all him. You, you would assume he's still playing when you go out there. And I think they're going to rename the stadium. But yeah, what a, what a player. And like I say, that, that documentary is a must watch for any football fans. I still think the best bit of football footage I've seen, one of the best bits is, but you have to have it with the Peter, with the, with obviously watching the goal, but with the Peter Jones radio too as it was at the time radio commentary of maradona scoring the second goal against england is like the stocky little man a really a lot of little, lot of little eel or something like that it's just brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah and then it's you know we're all, we're all big lovers of that footage as well of him warming up before a napoli game with the what is what is the song apparently they played it at portman road on saturday it's, it's Andy Opus, Warren reported. Uh, lo- uh, life. Life is, love is life yeah by opus yeah, yeah. unbelievable yeah and i love the other, well, I've seen a couple of things going viral this week again with Maradona just doing shooting practice on the muddiest pitch you've ever seen and just absolutely loving life. And then also, Dave, that lovely picture of Diego Maradona with Glenn Hoddle after a test oh, played. Yeah, um, did you, I don't know if you saw, I know you sometimes watch, Hoddle was talking about that only a couple of months ago when he did that. Um, that four with tubes, you know, tubes. Oh, uh, yeah, the four. Hodder was on challenge. that. And yeah, then yeah, he was. said, who's the best player you ever played with and against? And he said, well, it's Diego Maradona. I think you played with him in the RDLS testimonial, didn't he? Yeah. He said, and he yeah. said, he said, oh, we just had something, you know. You know, I just dropped the ball and there, there he was sort <laughs> of thing. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah super. And Mar- Maradona would no doubt say the same thing about Glenn Hoddle, wouldn't he, Dave? Best oh, player I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to think so. And the story, he very, I think it was very, very nearly came to came to England um, to Sheffield Sheffield United. They got Alex Sabella instead. It's a bit like um, Adrian Paz, Gabriel Batistuta for us. <laughs> and um, I think they they almost on the cusp of getting Maradona, but ended up with Alex Sabella, who was a decent player. I think went on to play for Leeds back in back in the day. But uh, yeah, fantastic, bloody hell, yeah, shame. Yeah, such a legendary player, one who our very own Armando Dobra, of course, is is kind of named after. Armando um, was Maradona's middle name. Um, but there was no Dobra in the Ipswich squad for the game against Charlton, was there, Joe? Can you talk us through the lineup? There's four changes. Yes, for four changes again. And you, you look at the team that's put out. I'm, I'm, everyone's obviously seen it now, but it was just a back four. Enciala was in for McGuinness. And then the, the midfield three was Andre Dazelle. Brett McGavin and Liam Gibbs, 17-year-old, making his debut, playing as the sort of the advance of the three <laughs> midfielders. And Dave has a wry smile on his face. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's difficult because obviously this is a young kid making his debut and he's obviously he's incredibly proud, his family incredibly proud. And yeah. and I, I thought he, he didn't do himself any harm out there. I thought he got involved. Well, it didn't quite go his way and his, his pass was a little bit off at times, but I thought he handled himself fine. But... Ultimately, we are at a stage now where the manager isn't trying to win the game because who is going to have more impact in that game? Liam Gibbs as of there or playing Caden Jackson up front with James Norwood. We were we were up against two makeshift centre-halves. I know experience, but Chris Gunter and Darren Prattley. You saw that little ball Dazelle clipped in behind them where Norwood just bullied Gunter out of the way because they're yeah. not centre-halves. And it's like, did we want to win that game yesterday or not? Or did Lambert just want to prove his point about this 4-3-3 formation? It looked like the latter to me. Yeah. 
You're yeah, right. I, w- I will just um, quickly mention all of the players that played. So it was Cornell came in in goal for Holy as well. Um, that was the other headline from our team. And it was, yeah, Chambers, Enciala, Wolfen and Ward, Dazelle, McGavin, Gibbs, as you mentioned. And then it was Judge and Bennett's either side of James Norwood. Um, the Charlton team was Ben Amos in goal. There was quite a few recognisable names. Get, the keeper. They are the keeper. only just down from the championship. Mm. Um, Matson and Matthews were the fullbacks. We've already mentioned Gunter and Prattley. And then it was a midfield three of Morgan, Shinney and Ben Watson, who, I mean, <laughs> think of the career appearances he's got to his name. Um, and then it was Smythe or Smith and Anike with Johnny Williams, um, our former player in the number 10 position. He looked pretty bright as well, I thought, before he yeah. came off. Um, yeah, Joe, just returning to Gibbs, you, you've, you've bigged him up to us before. And you've said what a talented footballer he was, but this is just completely the wrong time to be throwing him in, isn't it? Yeah, that's what that's what it felt like to me. He had a good game for the youth on Monday in the youth cup, but ultimately he's still a seventeen year old and he's not he's not a big athletic kid either as well. He's quite a he's sort of he gets about the pitch well and he's but he's slight, relatively right? slight, isn't he? Oh, and yeah. like I say it's just it's it's not a position where you, you bring a player in at a young age, if, if if it's maybe in a wide role, if it's you're giving them 15, 20 minutes at the end of the game or to try and get back in it or to sit on a lead or just to give them some experience. But I, you saw that midfield and obviously Brett McGavin is a player that likes to sit in that deep role that Andre plays and he's having to play a relatively unfamiliar role to, to that because him and Andre haven't played together much because mm. Andre's always been ahead and you're now... I say it's just uh, like I say you saw what we're up against. Ben Watson in there, 500, 600 league appearances, Premier League, Championship, a, a sort of proper proper footballer, mm. scored FA Cup final winner for God's sake, and um, and it I, it just struck me as a formation of a manager who's trying to prove a point rather than win the game. Yeah, um, but despite all that, we actually started the game pretty well. If you cast your minds back. Uh, Luke Chambers hit a mixed Stockwell-style shot where he cut in from the right outside of the foot that went wide. Norwood, you've already mentioned this one, he shrugged Gunter off the ball and then lifted the ball just over the over the crossbar. But we don't look particularly strong at the back and there was a warning sign when Cornell had to save from Johnny Williams when it looked for all the world like Enciala was about to give away another penalty. Um, but on eight, on 21 minutes, Dave, we find ourselves behind again. Yeah, and it's another bad goal, isn't it? Wolfenden was just out of sorts yesterday. I thought it was the worst mm. game I've seen him. I've seen him have. He was yeah. really, really. And interestingly enough, I heard him being interviewed um, pre-match on Suffolk on Radio Suffolk, and he just sounded downbeat on there. You know, obviously that was done a couple of days ago, maybe the Friday or the Thursday, but he just sounded really flat. Anyway, you know, whether he carried that, I don't know, in, into the game. I think he's had. He's had COVID. He's certainly been self-isolating for a couple of weeks back, I think, Joe. Um, but he, um, he just looked woefully out of sorts yesterday. Pace. I mean, just got done for pace more than once. And just got caught a bit flat. I mean, again, doing the thing that Wolfenden usually does well, trying to bring the ball out of defence. Um, I think got, got challenged by Aniki, who was sort of fairly lively throughout. Yeah, who he won the ball. Number, didn't he? Yeah, played it to, um, I think, played it to... Shinny sort of drove for it. And then again, we got a bit unlucky, didn't we? You know, Shinny drove the ball, drove forward in the box, sort of reverse pass, just sort of clipped Ward on the heel. Another day, it might have hit him square on. He would have cleared it, hit him on the heel, fell for Morgan. He 
a good finish, but early early first time finish, what penalty spot and can't blame the keeper. His flat foot had no chance for me. Hit it really well, just low, mm. and just bounced it in. Um, and you almost thought uh, then you thought oh, game that's it pretty much. You know, as, as recent things have gone, game over. And yeah, yeah. Um, the one so shred of proved... hope we might have had was that James Norwood again looked <sighs> on it. Uh, the next thing that happens. <laughs> Is he he goes off with a Unreal. another hamstring injury? We're not doctors, Joe, but <laughs> there must be more to this than just rotten luck, isn't there? All of these injuries. NCR gets it, it does a hamstring in the second half as well, and it's luck. it's and I know the the excuse is that we're having to play so many matches, but a lot of these players haven't played that many matches, and we rotate the team in the cups. But I know I know there's obviously a lot more soft tissue injuries this year compared to previous years because of the schedule yeah but we seem to get it every year and it's, it's, it's like i say james norwood has a hamstring injury he comes he, he comes on against portsmouth for the last half hour which turns into an hour and he looks like he's done his other hamstring in that game he then plays tuesday night and plays sort of 75 minutes and is taken off to save him and then he's back in the starting 11 on saturday mm-hmm. and it's like you're talking about needing to do the right thing needing to ease players back needing to manage workloads but I say, what was his workload being managed properly? Do you go from not playing at all to 75, 80 minutes on a Tuesday, then start again on the Saturday, or do you try and use your squad a bit more? I say, I think in some ways Lambert's a bit damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. But yeah. I say you've got if if you'd have started Jackson yesterday and said, oh Norwood, he's feeling a bit from midweek. He's on the bench. Yeah, he's on the bench. Then yeah. I don't think you're going to get too much criticism, but. I say, I, I, it just seems like I say they they don't really know what they're doing down there at the moment. Full stop. I think. Mm. I mean, what did surprise me about that was the choice of substitution at the time. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, Aaron Drynan <laughs> who comes off the bench um, uh, with Hawkins and Jackson both remaining on the bench. Um, Drynan, to his credit, though, looks pretty oh. sharp when he comes on. Yep. Almost um, creates a goal for us where he robs Prattley of the ball and plays it back for Judge and it's deflected over. That was probably the best effort we had in the the rest of the game. Um, So Lambert decides against... Go back to that that substitution, though. You've got Drynan there. Lambert says he brings him on because he needs some minutes. Yeah, that was a strange one. On Tuesday, when we played Hull... um, Drynan is on the bench as the fourth striker when Lambert's saying, oh, we'll only play one up front. And on that same day, we've got an under-23 game, which he sits Dobber in to drive five hours to Bristol to play in an under-23s game. And it's like, if Drynan needs minutes and we can only play one up front, why is Dobber not on the bench and Drynan the one not going to Bristol to get yeah, 90 he, minutes under his belt? He is, it's just... he, he is getting, he's very contradictory, contradictory now, isn't he? He really like is. I say, we, we said it at the start of the programme about the how important the fans are, but while you're cutting off the communication to the fans, I say everything's, he's, I say, it's like listening to Boris Johnson, isn't it? <laughs> Steady. Um, so, yeah, Lambert decides against making any changes at half time. Um, in the 64th minute, he brings on Caden Jackson in place of Gibbs, um, while Lee Bowyer brings on Omar Bogle, Joe, and Omar soon ensured this game wouldn't be going to the wire. You come for the king and you'd better not miss. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, long throw into the box. I think it's Wolfenden again under under it and it's a poor clearance, isn't it? It just slices it out and then it falls. Is it Darren Prattley who takes a touch and hits a shot at goal? But it's 
drags the shot wide and it turns into a decent cross. Bogle's just sort of gone off the back of Chambers and but like I said, I don't think there's much Chambers would have done had he even been on there. It was either sort of put the ball into your own net or let it go past you and Bogle just has an easy finish to tap home really. So yeah, like mm. I say, you, but this is what happens if you let other teams in your box and have shots and crosses and you're going to let them score goals and that's what we don't do we don't get in the opposition box mm. yeah uh, and then soon after we suffer another injury this time it's Toto Enziala if you just co- couldn't make it up could he <laughs> uh, and at this stage yeah, he brings on McGuinness for Enziala and he brings Lancaster on for McGavin uh, and just days after saying it to which are hopeless when we play 4-4-2 what formation are we playing Dave we are playing four 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 two four four two and playing four four two. And for once, um, Alan Judge has moved moved inside, and he, he shock. He sort of starts to have a slight influence on the game. Mm. Probably the game has gone by that point. Yeah, but, we did we did play better, but it's it's hard did. to know whether it's just because yeah, Charlton had packed up effectively two 0 up. We just see it out. Yeah, we didn't Williams we didn't really trouble them, did we? Does, really. does a part of you wonder whether that? comment about us being hopeless with two up front slipped out from Lambert the other night, which meant that he then couldn't go to four four two. Do you think that maybe could have happened? Possibly. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. Because he hasn't he might... been against the idea in the past, has he? But did, did we not start we like, all last we... season we played two up front. He said That's we can't right. play with two up front and we did it all last season. Yeah, mm. I can remember certainly, you know, fairly deep, you know, deep as the season got. I can certainly remember South End away, Norwood and Jackson playing brilliantly two two yeah. up. Even, well. even towards the end of the season, when we were three at the back, that was with two up front, wasn't it? Yeah. It was always two up front. Yeah. Maybe Lambert just looked at last season and decided that everything that went wrong was because we played two up front. <laughs> yeah, well. yeah, maybe. So it's another defeat against a so-called promotion rival, um, and we dropped down to sixth. Um, the only other game, what was it, Oxford won against Swindon? No, Swindon they, lost, they lost 2-1. Two they late goals them. for Swindon. Ah. Oh, right, he turned around. Bit, bit of a derby, Fleet, that one. Yeah, or well, a big derby there, isn't it? Fleetwood and, and Sunderland drew on Friday night as well. That's right, yeah. No. Mm. Um, I mean, our record against... Um, someone posted the record against the, the five sort of five of the sort of top 10 teams we've played, and it's well, obviously five defeats, yeah. two goals scored, 12 against. Just... Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's five games. Horrific. Zero points. Last year it was, what, the top 10, I think. I think there was all the top 11 or 10 that finished above us. So 20 or 18 games, we didn't play them all. And it was two wins Fleetwood away and um, Gillingham away at the start of the season. So, but it's more embarrassing that Gillingham finished above us than that that we beat them. But we're we're at basically 25 games, two wins against decent sides. Yeah. Yeah. And not, you know, and the thing is, you're not taking any points off those sides. Are you, you know, even if it, these last two games, if we'd got a point a game, it wouldn't be the end of the, you know, the end of the, the end of the world. But yeah, comfortably beaten. Mm. Right. So let's move on to the Twitter questions. And there was oh. I mean, the last time I was on was the mailbag show where <laughs> we badly needed questions. Um and we didn't didn't really get very many. And now this time we've got updated. dozens upon dozens of excellent questions. Um, a few of them obviously are kind of the, asking the same thing. Um, and hopefully we don't repeat ourselves too much over the next 20 minutes or so. Um, but running Tucker's question is, uh, if Paul Lambert goes, do you trust the owner to make a better choice? And if so, do you think we'll be in this position again 
in two years' time, Dave? <laughs> um, well, going by his previous choices, probably the answer to that would be would be no, really. Um, yeah, I mean, this uh, we say it every time. You know, I think when Lambert came, we said, "Oh, this is the most important. This is the most important appointment in the club's history." For Christ's sake, you know, to stop stop us sliding into slippery slope in the League One. Well, that obviously didn't work. So, mm. I mean, this is this is. I mean, this season, as we all know, financially wise, more than anything, the goalposts are, are likely to move. Um, and this season, more than anything, you do not want to be stuck next season in League One. So. Yeah, it is a massive, massive, if, if, and I must say if, um, the axe does fall, it is huge, absolutely huge. Um, as for who, I guess that's a question that's going to come up, so we'll deal yeah, with that. that, one, that one will come up, yeah. Yeah. One of yeah. your drinking buddies, I think, Joe, Chris Nichols? Yep. Yeah, he asked, uh, just how big of an issue is not getting promoted how many players are out of contract at the end of the season and just who would we replace them with? If the rot really sets in, is there a chance of relegation or are the teams at the bottom so bad it saves us? I think we can probably say... Yeah, I've, I'm it. happy to rule out relegation, but yeah. like I say, when it, it's, the, um, it's the talk of not just how many we're going to lose, it's who we're going to lose. You just need to look at Teddy Bishop's contract is up at the end of this season. Andre Dizel's contract is up at the end of this season. If we don't go up, we're going to be able to afford to pay them probably about three, four grand a week at a push. And they're going to get, let's say Bishop's got five goals from midfield this year. He'll get five times that in the championship. And Dazelle the same. And I think that's what is it, Gwion Edwards, his contract is up this season. And I'd say that there's a good sort of eight, nine, ten sort of proper first team players whose contracts are up at the end of this season. And like I say, it's, it's the ones that, like I say, the Dazelles, the Bishops, whose value is just going to zero at the moment. That is the, that is a big concern. And mm. I say for all the money that I say, I know people talk about Evans underfunding, but ultimately we still run a Category 2 academy, which not many teams outside the top two tiers do. Barely any. Two or three teams do. And like I say, you've, we've finally got some players. We've finally got them fit. We've finally given them some game time. And we're going to lose them for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll end up with lineups that were weaker than the one that we put out put out on Saturday. With all, yeah. with all due you're respect, gonna, like I say, yeah, with, with, you're going to struggle. Which sorry, struggle to retain anyone yeah. who's upwardly mobile, and so the, the quality of the squad is going to diminish. And I know people don't think the squad is that strong, but trust me, if we stay down, you you see what it's like next year. <laughs> well, <Whoop. laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Dave, um, what's happened to Stephen Ward? This is from Mark ITFC. What's happened to Stephen Ward? He looks a shadow of the player we saw at the start of the season. Is he dragged down by the losses, poor coaching and negativity around the club, or is his age catching up with him? I don't want to say a bit of both because it gives it gives a bit of everything. Bit of everything. Um, I, I think, yeah, it's age. Could be, yeah, could be age, could be negativity. He's not as effective, perhaps, yeah. as he was at the start of the season. No. I mean... Um, you know, at the start of the season, I think uh, in, in certain games he was linking up quite nicely with Freddie Sears. Well, Freddie Sears had regressed recently. Let's face it, his player had regressed recently. So I think it is a combination of factor with him and his age. And okay, you say the pitches have got slightly, I mean, looked immaculate yesterday, but slightly heavier and stuff like that. I noticed in the in, in previous 
couple of games where when he gets turned, he just hasn't got the, you know, he hasn't got the legs to, you know, hasn't got the legs to make that recovery, which maybe he wasn't getting, maybe he didn't start the season, maybe he just wasn't getting turned in the start of the season. We weren't perhaps playing so teams that weren't able to turn him. But um, yeah, I think his age is starting to show. Still, I still like him when he gets in good positions, when he gets in those advanced positions, he still invariably delivers a pretty decent cross, to be fair. But um, yeah, he's not, yeah, I, I agree with that. He's not quite the player he was. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. If, 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 if you if you compare Ward to Luke Chambers, they're both thirty five. Ward spent the majority of his career at a higher level, sort of much much more pedigree than Luke Chambers. Probably played two hundred and fifty, three hundred games in the Premier League, but ultimately in the Premier League, he's been playing for sort of lower down teams. So no cup runs, no European football. Thirty eight games a season is a lot less than forty six, and and. It's really compact, and he hasn't played that much in the last two seasons before this one, where sort of Luke Chambers is 35, but he's played 40, 50 yeah, games a he's season. Conditioned, he's conditioned every single it, season. He's, he's conditioned. conditioned. Uh, Luke, I, I, football. Luke, Luke Chambers, I, I think, shoot me down out there, but he's probably been one of our most, if not because you know, Bishop, Edwards injuries, probably our most consistent player of the season so far at right back. He's really surprised me, really has. Managing, not great yesterday, don't get me body. wrong. Not no. great yesterday. Probably his worst game yesterday, amongst others. But um, yeah, he, he he's he's done pretty well. He's done but pretty man, well. Managing your body to get Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. I know it's cliche that that sort of schedule, but managing your body to get through those games is not is not easy. And that's something that Chambers not has done, and it's something that Cole Skews has started to not be able to do over the last two seasons. Yeah, that's a good point, and it's a good point you make about War Joe that he just hasn't played those. You know, he really hasn't played those the amount of games. Yeah. Okay, Chris Rand. Surely the problem all season is that we're playing a four-three-three style short passing football in a four-five-one formation. This was covered up earlier on, earlier on by midfielders having a bit of confidence. That's all. Would you agree with that, Jay? Yep, and like I say, you look back at what where. 
like I said, I'd written off Lambert last season and given him the benefit of the doubt this year after he'd been given sort of another go at it by Evans, and I'm sure a lot of people were the same. But at the start of the season, when we were scoring goals, you, you look back at the goals, we scored some good goals, and like I said, there's times where you've got five, six men in the box. So you've got five, six men getting in the box for chances, and, and that's what happens. You've got both fullbacks in the box. You've got your midfielders all pushing on. You've got your striker there. Did we, we are just not getting men into the box anymore, and it's our players got deeper, our passing has become less sort of less penetrative, and also we're missing Teddy Bishop and Guion Edwards because we relied so heavily on them being able to yeah. beat a man in the final third. Yeah. Uh, Mullet asks Dave. We've we've talked about the decisions played Gibbs already. Joe's talked about it at length. Did Lambert misjudge Gibbs's readiness, or did he throw him into the fray to make a point to the fans and the owner? He talks a lot about not worrying about being sacked and not being able to control things. But if that's the case, why has he remained at ITFC in this manner? Yeah, it was an odd one. But then we find out after the game, I mean, Emir Hughes didn't. And he, you know, Emir Hughes hasn't been, what's the cliche, pulling up any trees when he's played. And he was out of the 18 completely yesterday. OK, we find out afterwards that he was um, that he was injured. Um would I say Gibbs was ready? Yeah, like Joe said, I think he acquitted himself reasonably well. He looked perhaps a bit nervous at the time when he gave the ball away. But um, he acquitted himself reasonably well. But did it smack of desper- des- desperation? Is that is that the right word? I, I mean, it smacked of uh, Fleetwood at home last season to me. Yeah. Through threw McGavin it, in. Only through McGavin, exactly. Who again, even in that game, we, McGavin we, we, thought, we were in a very similar mood after that game as to this one. We thought... Yeah. Yeah. How has he not gone already? Yeah. <laughs> and here we are a few months yeah. on. But... I, just don't know. I, I fear it might take the two games this week. I don't, I don't know. Andy Kidd asks, Joe, does Lambert's comments about our inability to play two up front and then doing exactly that towards the end of the match prove he's absolutely clueless? Well, I think there's, an, there's enough proof that he's absolutely clueless. That's just <laughs> one you. more thing. One more thing to add to the list. <laughs> list of cluelessness. Uh, Ashley Eldon, Dave, has Lambert ever accepted any responsibility for any defeat, poor performance, tactics, formation or substitution? Convince me he's deliberately not trying to be sacked. <laughs> well, I don't think he has and it's easy. It's so easy now because he has he has got the injury so he can just, you know, he can just shift the blame on that. And it's easy, just easy, easy to do that now, isn't it? It really is. It's never really been his style, though, has it? And anywhere to be someone that's brutally honest to the press and say oh look i made mistakes here no 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 and it, i don't think explains himself is he no he's no no and at the end of the well but in pre-season i remember him saying that we weren't good enough last season didn't really say it wasn't good enough at the time but he ended up saying the players need to have a look at themselves just that I, I just look at the coaching down there, you know, I mean, and, you know, these, these young players and coaching, you know, and I think Joe said before, you know, the style of play that's being coached right through the club. Now, this possession football, you know, seemingly, OK, well, seemingly in front of the opposition. I mean, what is that? I just I just don't see it. And I just don't see that leading anywhere at all. Yes, possession football. But come on, you know, with a bit more with some more penetration to it. But I just don't, I just don't see it. I don't get it at all. It, I thought it was interesting that Brian Klug did an interview on the club's channel on was it Thursday that was oh, okay. released and yeah. Yeah. there was a couple there was a couple of bits in that where 
they sort of asked him about, oh, you've got Paul in. He's trying to put the same thing all the way through the club. But Brian was quite quick to sort of say, we teach the boys lots of ways. We teach them to be adaptable. We teach them to play. There's not there's not one there's not one set way to play. We teach them to to play lots of different yeah, ways. Because that's what you got to do. Because ultimately, yeah. even the under 16s who are close to breaking sort of through, by the by the time they're 18, the manager's going to have likely changed. And that's not against Paul Lambert. Any under 16s who are two years away from the first team at 90% of the clubs in the football league in that two years they're probably going to have a different manager by the time they turn 18 and when they turn 16 at the club so I think like I say Brian and like I say it goes back to this the Ipswich way that we talk about and it was Bobby Robson George Burley it's, it's, and Mick Mills you hear him on the radio it's not about playing a short pass or a long pass it's about playing the right pass and that's what mm. the players learn all the way through and and I'm sorry but Passable back and forth between your centre-backs all game and not penetrating, not looking to move forward is not playing the right pass. I mean, uh, yeah, I go back and I harp back to those days. And even even the days when we had Muren and Tyson playing in midfield, we could be direct as any team. Yeah. It helps that you've got Paul Mariner up front with Alan Brazil and Eric Gates feeding off him, to be fair. But, yeah, we could be really direct. And before that, before the Dutchman come, came, we were really direct side. Yeah, with the likes of Mariner and Weimark up front, Weimark, for instance. Yeah. Very much so. Even you look at the Burley teams with Naylor and and Scowcroft up front, we were direct. The, yeah. the John Lyle team, I'm sure yeah. Craig will love well, Steve Witt and getting Steve a mention. Witten, but that was the that was the tactic, wasn't it? Absolutely. Alan yeah. Lee, John Walters. Whenever we've in, under Jim Agilton that playing good football, that was with John Walters on the right. Yeah. We've Joe, yeah. Joe Royal. We used going. to play long diagonal balls up to Shefki Kuchi as well. Darren Bent. Yeah, I think there's a myth that it's pass, pass, pass. It's not. <sighs> and like I said, when I watched the playoff final back. The amount yeah. of times Venus and McGreal ping balls into the front men's, front well, men's feet. I mean, look thing. at the great goal. Look at the look at, look at Stewart's goal, the header, for God's sake. I mean, the raking pass from Venus must have been like a 60-yard ball, wasn't it? Yeah, that was just yeah. fi- finding a way to get possession in the final third and then play a nice, attractive football or putting a cross into the box, wasn't it? But also, having good technical footballers, you can pass a ball. Yeah, and can McGreal, right Venus. Yeah. Yeah. Like I say in the Wembley documentary, David Johnson talks about Burley, the same sessions all the time. It's all about getting the basics right and being able to pass and pass and pass, yeah. but also being able to hit the ball when it's there to hit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, yeah, it's not. It's Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I just don't get it. Don't get it at all. <laughs> Ashley Simmons asks, Joe, how far does it go before you seriously question your loyalties to a club who couldn't care less about its fans and seemingly it's operations on and off the pitch it's difficult isn't it I, I think it's very difficult to turn your back on the club for I say I'm like Dave I'm, I'm local I live in well just outside Ipswich it's it's much more difficult to avoid but I can I can understand those who traits back from London on the sort of on the Rattler getting back for night games have to run miss injury time run back to your train to make sure you get it how those people stop watching it especially when they've got used to watching it on iFollow but I'll, I'll always go because I'm sort of I'm in the town, but I say it's, it's it's getting very very difficult to go. And like I say, I'm not even these sort of ones where there's a few tickets available. I'm not particularly bothered about going at the moment. If if I if I was to be offered the next game, if Lambert was still in charge, I'd probably say no. Give me the one after that. Sort of <laughs> keep pushing it back until well, when he's still in charge. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. But, but I've got no yeah. real interest in using up one of my credits when you're probably only going to get three or four games between now and the rest of the season watching a Paul Lambert side at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, 
it's cheerio stuff, isn't it? But Dave, are you, are you close to considering playing golf on Saturday afternoons when the weather uh, improves? No, it's, it's just too busy Saturday afternoons. So I go, I couldn't, I couldn't hack that. I think I'd, I'd actually rather go down to Portman Road because it's golf Saturday afternoons where I play is just ridiculous, especially now for God's sake. Yeah. Of course, it's been closed for three months this year for Christ's sake. You know, <laughs> they make the most of the last month if it's not raining or snowing or whatever, or even that sort of thing. So, so no, I haven't, I haven't quite, I haven't quite got to that, but is. You know, you know, I hear, I hear stories of other fans saying, and okay, they've said it perhaps when we got relegated, you know, to League One, but saying that they don't feel they've been ever so disengaged. You know, fans my age of long standing, you know, just don't feel they feel a total disengagement from the club. You know, totally disengaged from it, and yeah, but they'll still support. They'll still support the club, but it's it's, it's difficult. It's getting it's getting, it's, it's getting worse. Yeah, it, it is hard with the podcast because it's like. We, we commit to do this on sort of like Sunday nights. We're doing it now. But it also means we commit to give up our Saturdays. I would 99 times out of 100 be watching it. But it is it does become you have to watch it if you're, if you're signed up to do it. Where maybe if it carries on like this, you don't want to watch the game on a Saturday. You might just listen on the radio and pick the highlights up. Where at the moment we're committing to sort of like watch it to do this. It's just got that. To just, you know, you sit down for a game and it's just got that total inevitability about it hasn't it yeah yeah i mean that's just, that, that that's the word isn't it it's just, you know you know you're gonna, you know you're gonna sit down and you're not gonna enjoy it and you no, know this time last lose. week this time last week you'd have, if you'd have said yeah so look at that so so yeah scraped in against Shrewsby, terrible performance we'll hull at home three nil defeat charlton at home two yeah that's about right all three of them were very inevitable though weren't they it kind of felt like the shrewsbury game we were going to win without playing well and then the yeah. whole game we were going to lose without playing well, and then we were going to maybe be a bit brighter against Charlton and end up with the same result. But well, when I did I, when I did the Radio Suffolk fan shows, I did them with a guy called Matt, and he um, after the Shrewsbury game, he said he had a good win on an accumulator that day, put hundred quid on Hull to win and Charlton to win this week, and <laughs> turned it to eight hundred quid. And it's sort of like how is that set? like from watching us? How was that seven to one for it to lose both those games? I'd... That's just yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so Chris Peach, with the amount of injuries at the club, surely it's more than just bad luck. Poor fitness coach and a joke of sports science. I kind of asked you this one as we went along, didn't I, Joe? It, we we don't know exactly what goes on um, on the training ground and at the club, but there's clearly something see, either missing or just not quite right. Well, you see bits there, and I, I haven't I haven't seen the fitness coach in the warm-ups at the moment, so I don't know what's gone on with him, Jim Henry. He doesn't seem to be there at the moment, but. Okay. Whether that's just I'm missing him there or something more to it, we don't know. Mm. Tractor boy Pete, Dave, what differences do you see from this time last season? <laughs> none, none at all. Yeah, we're not question of the lot, isn't it? Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for that one. Yeah, don't you really, really not not much at all. No, it's, no. it's exactly the same failures, yeah, it is. isn't it? Again, any team that's decently coached comes here and yeah, it sets up. Doesn't you know? Sets up, yeah. Gets busy, knocks us out of our stride. I think one of the weather, weather's one perhaps of, a bit of a storm and scores and game over. They're they're letting us down when we feel like we need them the most. We kind of we we need our football club to cheer yeah. us up in these yeah, hard times yeah, well, to give yeah, us something to look point, forward yeah, to at the end of the week. And that is yeah. kind of kind of how it was at the start of the season. We I mean we we were never really enjoying watching these games on iFollow with the empty stadiums but the thing thing that we were complaining about was the 
standard of I follow rather than the standard of the football but that's that's soon changed i also don't think it can be underestimated how big a change everyone is going for at the moment with all this covid stuff all these lockdowns that what are we doing so that when we come out the other side of this when the vaccine is out and sort of without going into too much detail on that side of things when we are able to all go to watch football what are the club doing so that when the fans can go back they will go back because ultimately you see you see how the club is acting at the moment. I know we covered at the start with Phil Hammett, those were the days, just the blue action guys. The club now are fully, fully aware what the fans think of what is going on there now. And unless they make a quick change, they are basically saying, we don't care. And when we don't care, come when, when the fans can go back, what, why will they go back? Will we go back flying? No. And like I say, if, if we do make a change and we can start pushing up the league, then... Yeah, the fans will be dying to come back, desperate to. But if if we're stuck in mid-table in League One, you're going to people are going to be well. A lot of people have cancelled season tickets already. How are you going to get people to renew and purchase season tickets if this is how it carries on and for how long? Yeah, it's a it's a very good point. Um, FPL tractor, quite enjoyed this one. Um, I'll ask both of you this. Wisely, you were appointed the new Ipswich manager on Monday. What are the first three things you do? Here's a few that come to my mind. Instigate a review of sports science and injuries. Tick. Pick Dobra in the A-team for the Oxford game. I think that would probably be tick, wouldn't it, Joe? And uh, Dave, the, the last one was pee in all four corners of the ground. We'd probably, <laughs> that. We'd I did probably see that. Yeah, I think, well. I think all three. Fry, big, ticks, big ticks, especially the third one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crikey. Yeah, I mean, the uh, sports science, I think the sports science bit surely, surely has got to be looked at. I mean, I've never known anything, anything quite like it. But I just, I, I think we just, like I say, if we are going to change the manager, you've, you've got to get someone a little bit more modern, a little bit more up to date, because Lambert has just proved to be so old school again, hasn't it? And you want, like I say, I know, like I say, Hurst came in and he wanted to make these changes and... I say he brought in the fitness coach at Nathan Winder, who has subsequently gone to Sheffield United, and he he at least identified the issues. He didn't get a chance to follow through with it because he couldn't get the results on the pitch. But Lambert's had two years here, and it doesn't seem like there's been huge. How I say this this season is hard to judge, but even like like Kane Vincent Young, he was out a year ago with an Achilles injury. He came back. He was out again. He was going to be back. He was going to be back. He then had no six date. months off. There's no date for him. Pre-season friendly. And now we're saying, will we see him before Christmas? Oh, I don't know. It's like, well, what has happened to him? Has he had his foot chopped off? I don't know. Yeah. I see every now and again. I might need to ask him. And what, what gets me is that he, um, you know, apparently, and I, I can't recall, but his appearance record for Cole, Cole U was okay. Pretty good. Yeah. You know, I think, say, ever present, I don't know, but certainly didn't, didn't miss tranches of games like he has done. Mm. <laughs> come on Mikey keep feels going like keep ground, going Groundhog Day isn't it keep going uh, before we get to that million dollar question oh. um, Dale Ellis says it seems like most of us have had enough of Shambert what do you think it will take for Marcus to pull the trigger do you think do you think defeat at Oxford could be na- nailed on that it happens before I, I the think, weekend I think what's happened over the last week will be big. I think like people may sort of belittle blue action, but 
that's sort of what they've done. But ultimately, sort of from what I speak to, Blue Action are a group that Marcus Evans would assume are still on the manager's side. He now knows they're not. Yeah. But I say I'd emailed the club last week with regards to how I was thinking about things, and I know since Phil sort of Phil Ham and the TWTD thing, huge swathes of people have emailed the club about that, and so it's not a case that oh a few fans have emailed so the club are going to sack the managers. Of course, it's not that, but that there's no. There's no way the club can plead ignorance now as to what the fan base think of what is going on because Evans has always used the sort of atmosphere in the ground as his sort of barometer and his sort of bellwether as to what is going on. Yeah. Obviously, obviously we don't have that at the moment, but like I say, the fans have made themselves known over the last week or so that we need to sort this out ASAP. And mm. I say, I, I don't know what, what it will be. Evans has normally got someone lined up before he makes his decision. I don't yeah. know. If is, been... is Evans in the country? Um, I, I don't know. I guess, it, it, I guess in the current sure. climate, it doesn't really make much difference. Oh, does I it? saw no. that he was at the Hull game. Did I see that? I've been I've a few games. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. he was at the Hull game. Okay, well, if he was at the Hull game, then on paper he should should and, be locked and down in this country. Paul Lambert, effectively, he he looks like a broken man, doesn't he? When you yeah. when you've seen him after the games, and I, like I say, I know I've been heavily critical of Lambert, but you, you take no pleasure in seeing any anyone struggling like he seems to be at the moment whether it's and I'm not saying mental health issues or anything like that because it's none of my business and it's purely projection it's not any of that but he just looks someone that is struggling and he can't raise himself he can't motivate himself and he knows his time is up we know as fans his time is up Evans is the key does he know his time is up (laughs) hopefully but he must be aware he he must must be aware of the ground sweller support and and if he and if he does then why why make, why make him go to Oxford? And I'm not saying he doesn't. But like on Saturday we play Plymouth. Why make Lambert traipse the width of the country on a bus yeah. to go to to go to a game when he knows he's got to get the bullet straight afterwards? He made Hurst do it to Swansea, and then Hurst won, and then we pushed yeah. things back sort of three or four games, and that and that could have cost us. And oh, can you imagine? You, you like can't a do that. Scrappy one nil win at Plymouth. So you've just got to if. If the decision is made in Evans's head, he's got to just pull the trigger. And there's enough people at the club that can run the team for a pick a team for a game or two till he gets his next man in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This was going to be a follow-up question. I was going to ask a couple of questions back. Presumably, Lambert is on really, really good wages and earning more than what any potential new manager would earn. Is there a way that maybe? The money that we'd save, I know he's he's going to get paid off, but that that deficit between the new manager's wages and what Lambert Income, is earning, yeah. could that be spent on sports science or something like that? I don't think it's that simple. I think you, I no. think they're, I think they're more capital investments, sports science, as opposed to ongoing. I think it's yeah. The sports science isn't going to change during the season, is it? It's going no, to be something that maybe happens. There has the, been investment. The end of the you season. see the GPS vest that they wear and things like that, which is something that Hurst brought in when we, we were like one of the only clubs in the '92 that weren't doing that. So it is just sort of slowly getting there. And but it's, it's bigger capital investments that Evans needs to make on that side of things. Yeah, I, and, think a, I think a, a shake-up of sports science is a big. Is a that's a big job, isn't it? It's quite a big program, I think. Well, that's what Leo Neal's is sports science head of sports science. He was at one point and. Maybe maybe the investment needs to be, well, Leo Neal is director of operations, football, academy manager, 
head of sports science, maybe he, maybe you need to free Leo Neal up to do one job and just do one job properly, or and to then appoint another head of sports science on 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 grand a year. I don't, I don't know, but it's pittance in footballers' wages, isn't it? Really, it's not. Yeah. Mm. Like I say, normally when you hear figures like that, you're talking a week in football. I know it's, I know we're in League One, so it's not that case. But Lambert is earning good money, and maybe, maybe you can get more out of it. Yeah. Okay, so that that brings us on to the last question. Hmm. Lo- loads of people want to want your opinions on who should be next. Um, the the question I picked out was from Buttery Ken. What kind of manager do we need? Hurst was tried as the young pretender with fresh ideas. Lambert was the experienced, been there and done it choice. And I think both times, actually, Joe, and I think Dave, we we agreed that it was the right type of appointment at the time. Um, where do we go from here? Who who do you want? I think... Um, saw result today. Here we go. Straight swap. Um, Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon for Paul Lambert. There you go. <laughs> Well, just if you no, if you uh, look at the um, betting odds, sorry, yeah, you go ahead, Dave. No, go on, Joe. Go on. I haven't looked at the odds for for, for our for, for for our job. No, no these are the, these are the odds oh, for sorry, the Sunderland, Sunderland jobs. So you you're going to imagine we're going to be in the same pool of managers as a sort of putting aside. So like Gus Poyet is the favourite there, but he's got the Sunderland links for previous there. But you've got Danny Cowley, Paul Cook, Nigel Pearson, and then Kevin Phillips, which is Sunderland link. Lee Johnson, Ryan Lowe. And then it's Eddie Howe, Nigel Adkins, Sam Allardyce. Well, I think if you look at on the Ipswich side of it there, I think you can rule out a couple of them. But I think you're looking Danny Cowley, Paul Cook, Nigel Pearson, a real big push. You might attract him. Lee Johnson, Ryan Lowe, Nigel Adkins. I think that's the sort of level. And it's sort of that or internal Ipswich connection. So you've got Kieran Dyers, you've got Kieran Dyers yeah. Terry Butchers in some form of partnership, Shefki Kuchi, Darren Curry, some, someone like that. I think they're your sort of Darren 10 Curry. candidates, really. Darren Curry, they slipped my mind. They'd be a departure from a style of football. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good job at Barnet. But of those, of those just remind me, Joe, those managers you mentioned there, who is in, so Ryan Lowe is in Plymouth employment, isn't he? The yeah, others aren't, I don't think. The others are. So the, the free no. agents there, well, we effectively got three agents: so Danny Cowley, Nigel Pearson, Lee, Lee Johnson, Johnson, Nigel Adkins. Then there's Paul Cook, but apparently because Paul Cook was still under contract when he resigned at yes, Wigan, there, there would be some compensation duties the there. So there yeah. Something along those lines. I mean, you look at those. Oh, I don't know. They're just the same old names come out, out and out again. Okay. Well. Phil Parkinson, I suppose, might be thrown in yeah, the Phil Parkinson. Pitched, in, pitched into that now. Simon um, Grayson. Simon Grayson, yeah. Nice one. I met Simon Grayson. Nice guy. Um, I just don't know. I mean, Lee, John- Lee Johnson suffered connections. Born in Newmarket. His old man used to manage. New Gary Johnson used to manage Newmarket Town sort of eons, eons ago. Um, he's, yeah, he's I, I like mean, he's friends with Cole Scoose as well. And very close to Cole Skew, yeah, teammates, obviously. So he might well, someone like him would come into the frame. I know, he, again, he's not, again, he's probably a as manager. He's not everybody's cup of tea, but I think he did a, did a pretty decent job at Bristol City. Really good job at Bristol City, all right. In the end, it didn't work out for him, but someone, maybe someone, someone like him. He definitely could 
showed he could improve players and sell them yeah. on for big profits, which is yeah, he did with- a key thing for here. But like I say, personally, if I were to do it, I like the Cowley brothers. I think that what they did at Lincoln, where you see they brought that whole town along with them, or the whole city along with them, didn't they, from the National League to League One. Like I say, when we played them in the FA Cup, and they had 5,000 fans coming down. They're selling out every week just in Seal Bank. And... It just surprises me that they just haven't been snapped up already, though. It just really surprises me. Well, they were at, um... they were at Huddersfield. Well, yeah. They did a decent, decent job, fairly decent job at Huddersfield, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, really well, I think surprised. when they went into Huddersfield, Huddersfield had two points after eight or nine games yeah, and they did. kept them up. So yeah. and they achieved what they set up to do there. boys, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 London, aren't they? Sort of. Yeah. East London, but they managers of I forgot who they Concord were. Concord Rangers in, 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 and then in Essex bloody senior league or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well they took Concord Rangers to the National League Concord. South, and then they took Braintree Town to the National League playoffs where they Braintree, lost. Braintree, it was, it was Hurst, yeah. Grimsby, Braintree, sorry, Grimsby. Yeah, then went to Lincoln and just did a brilliant job at Lincoln. Did a good job at Huddersfield, and are, are available. And I'm sure that they would want the job here, but it's just whether we can beat Sunderland to them if they want them as well. And well, yeah. there you go. But yeah, you need that's, it's, it's difficult because we do need a manager who can sort of run a lot of the club. They they do do a hell of a lot here, and there's there's two of them for a start, so that spreads out the workload a little bit. And like I say, they've they've done well in the in the small town or small city market at Lincoln and bringing them up the leagues. And ultimately, people talk about style of football. Like I think they've shown themselves to be more adaptable than people give them credit for because I think they just remember the Lincoln game with a big lump up front but mm. like I say oh I think all this team needs Ipswich is just to be organized and motivated and for goodness you, sake. you look at you look at the way that we set up our midfield over the last two games and it's just there's there's no structure to it is it like I know I know people didn't like Mick McCarthy by the end of it here but ultimately in a Mick team Everyone knew their roles. Everyone knew their shape. When we lost the ball, we were back in shape. We were compact. We would shift across as a back four, as a midfield four. The whole team knew what they were doing. And we need to get back to being a properly yeah. coached team. And we, we could squeak out instance. results against better opposition, couldn't we? We, yeah. we, we'd, we'd find a way to, to get better. Do you know we were better coached? Man for man were much better than us. Better coached, better organised. Yeah. Um, and with a... Yeah, I think know, people that are identifiable with a bit more identifiable style of play, I would say. Even. But pragmatists like Mick, when they have a good squad, they play good football. But when they don't, they don't. And yeah. like I say, you, you see how Mick set his Wolves team up with those flying wingers, strikers. If Mick was in League One with us, we wouldn't be set up like we were by the end there, where we are a minnow in that league, effectively, by the end of the championship with what we had there. We just, we you play to your strengths, you play to your squad. And if you haven't got midfielders available you don't set up four three three. it's a it's, it's a strange one you know when you think back you know when Sheepshanks got got rid of Burley I mean you know you look back into that it wasn't very long into that season at all all right it came off the back of a thumping defeat at Grimsby which I was unfortunate to witness from there that night but yeah he acted he acted sort of he acted very quickly so yeah I, I think look I'd, I'd be so if if this, this week's the week, isn't it? You know, lose at Oxford, lose at Plymouth, which, come on, let's face it, is on the cards, then that, I would say, is it. Oxford are really, really struck, didn't they? Yeah. That is it. That's the biggest worry, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. brilliant questions uh, this week. I had to leave quite a few out, but thank you to everyone that put a question in and joined the discussion. Uh, before we go, just something a little cheerier and the competition that we did on Twitter to win 
the excellent ITFC greatest goals postcards from at Parrot Design have been won by Marty Dye. So congratulations to him. Uh, if you missed out and you're interested in these postcards for the next week, Parrot Design are offering a 10% discount for our listeners and viewers if you quote BM10 at checkout. So please follow him and check them out. They're really nice pieces of artwork, yeah. aren't they, Joe? Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah really, really like them. Just quickly as well, Mikey's a host. What is your view on Lambert, the next manager? Okay, so <laughs> putting it to me, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with, with you guys that the Cowley brothers, if we can get them, probably probably the best option out there. Um, I wouldn't be, I'd, I'd probably, the thing that would excite me the most is maybe Kieran Dyer, but that's quite high risk. Um, so, yeah, Cowley Brothers, probably my first choice. But if we did go for the cheap option and went for Kieran Dyer, I'd be right behind him, as I'm sure everyone else would be. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say Dyer's my first option, but if, if that was to be the case, I'd be happy with that decision and really look forward to see what he could do. Yeah. See so what he yeah. could do. He could probably get his boots on, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, thinking about what I did in the summer, it's probably come a bit early for Pablo Canago and Tommy Miller, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Excellent. no, he's, um, yeah, I, I, I would certainly say that at some point during the next week, 10 days, there might well be an extra show. Mm. Alan Armstrong's doing a good job at Gateshead. He could come down with his nine children. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, yeah, they, they could at least pack out Portman Road. Yeah. Uh, so town returns to action, as we mentioned, on Tuesday night with that trip to Oxford. Um, we'll return with a live stream on the YouTube channel after the full-time whistle. That is, of course, if we aren't on air before that. Uh, if if there is a change, we will react to it as quickly as we possibly can. There'll probably be an emergency podcast or live stream. Um, so if if what we're hoping happens does happen, then yeah, keep keep your eye out for some blue Monday. I suppose if, it's, it's, it's a bit content. perverse, though, because if we're hoping does happen, that means we're hoping that we'll lose to Oxford and Plymouth. Are we? What are we oh, saying? I was actually no, saying. I, I want it to happen tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow morning. I'll yeah, be keeping well. an eye out for the. Blue Monday bat signal in the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah ho- hopefully this podcast will just be out of date and no one will watch it. <laughs> no one will listen to it. Um, so, yeah, Rich and Seb, I think, are in the hot seat for, for that one after Oxford. Um, and before we go, any last words from either of you? No, no. Under-18s under had a good win at Swansea, yes, or 5-1 at St George's Park versus Sw- at Swansea and the under 16s won 4 1 at Arsenal. I think there's a 23 game this week, so Dobra will be busy, I'm sure. I'm just looking you're, forward you're to still thinking that. about the bad news, aren't you, Jay? <laughs> I just, yeah. I just, um, I'm just looking forward to the Sky Sports sort of banner tomorrow night. Um, Cowley's installed at the Stadium of Light. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go on, Dave, before we go, give the people what they want. Crap. <laughs> It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.